What if it rained food? What if Earth was a cube? What if we had nine lives? What if bits could fly? It's absurd. If money grew on trees, if we didn't have knees, if we walked through life slightly magnetical, it's absurd. Absurd hypotheticals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show where we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Uh, we got another one today, guys, that is uh, on the hurt-my-brain scale of, of hypotheticals <laughs> as far as just kind of envisioning it. Usually, if we have a question at all related to light in any way. <laughs> yeah, light's weird. <laughs> We've learned through this podcast is that light light is complicated, and we don't like it. Yeah, light is complicated, but not nearly as complicated as time or space. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. But anyway, our question this week is, what if everything was a mirror? So when we say everything's a mirror, we're not saying everything's literally made of like glass mirror material, but everything is as reflective as a mirror is. Yeah, so everything's it, got it like keeps a... its, It keeps its physical properties. So like a pillow will still feel like a pillow, but it'll be reflective. Yeah. If, if we did it the other way, there's so many cans of worms are opened that we just did not want to deal with it. So <laughs> yeah. everything is just very Imagine reflective. instead of cans of worms, we opened cans of paint that sprayed on <laughs> mirror onto everything. Right. Else. And all that paint was also reflective. It's not good. And then we're also saying that liquid stays the same. It's not reflective. And yes. gas is still the same. So like it's only solids that are reflective like a mirror. Yeah. Because I don't know how that that one would also hurt my brain. Liquids like almost maybe I can imagine it. But gla- gases do not work in that. Yeah. Gases don't work. I'm pretty sure doing that way also re- like breaks physics because then we're saying that, you know, say an ice cube is going to be reflective, but as it melts, it's going to become not reflective, which gets weird, but... Right. I mean, the solid part of the ice could be reflective, and then once it melts, it becomes not reflective. I don't Still know. breaks <laughs> physics, doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> Guys, I already have the answer. Don't confuse me anymore. <laughs> My Actually, head ben, just you, you, hurting. Ben, I'm picking you. You can continue confusing me. What did you do? Sure. So I... Really, my goal was mostly just figuring out what the hell is going to look like because obviously it's going to be weird. So, so I had some questions I'd answer about sort of mirrors and and how they they work and what they look like. So, the first question I want to figure out was just actually how reflective are mirrors? Because what's happening when when light hits a mirror is just that most of that light, or in some cases, all but a very very tiny amount of that light, is is being reflected back, which is why you see the same image as is hitting it. But how reflective that actually is depends on the material the mirror is made out of. Um, for an aluminum mirror, so so I guess generally most mirrors are some sort of metal that is sort of sprayed onto glass um, to make a you know reflective surface. The the metal gives it the actual reflectivity, and then the glass mostly is there for for structure, right? Aluminum is like eighty five to ninety percent reflective. Silver is 98 to 99% reflective, but silver is expensive and soft and tarnishes really easily, so it doesn't get used. I guess it actually still gets used a decent amount in, like, household mirrors, but that's why people use the, you know, shittier aluminum. And there's also, there are these dielectric mirrors. I looked so hard to figure out what these are actually made of, and the best answer I could find was multiple thin layers of different transparent optical materials. That's specific. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I honestly, I think they're all like, it's not natural materials. It's all, um, you know, very heavily um, 
what's what I'm looking for? Like reactive synthesized. synthesized materials. And they just spray a bunch of layers down. They're very expensive, but they can reflect 99.99% of light, um, which is kind of insane. You can make like super, super high grade mirrors using it. But there's no, there's no perfect mirror. I mean, I don't think so. I, I couldn't find one. It sounds like dielectric is as close as you're going to get. I saw, I, it's funny, I, I wish I knew the answer to that, because I saw it in my, a lot of the headlines were like, a perfect mirror, so, you know, did scientists finally discover the perfect mirror with like a question mark, and who knows if any of those led to actual articles explaining it. Probably not. I don't think it's possible, right? Like, there has to be some loss in every, yeah, every system, so. Anyway, for, for this point of this question, or point of this, for the purposes of this question, I, I went with like 90%-ish, um, just on the high end of like aluminum. I don't actually use that number as a specific calculation anywhere. I just thought it was the simplest one to sort of parse in my brain. So and it's what you imagine as, as like a, like I imagine this is all bathroom mirrors. Like, exactly, that's what I imagine. Yeah. So the next question that's going to become very relevant is what color actually is a mirror? It turns out it's green. Who knew? Huh? Yeah, mirrors <laughs> are green. Um. So <laughs> explain. So I <laughs> got exactly Moving the reaction I had hoped for. Um. <laughs> So yeah, so so you know, mirrors are made out of something, and and as we mentioned, mirrors don't reflect perfectly. So the way that that like sort of the evidence for this, uh, there's an experiment I found this this paper written on. Uh, this paper was called "Virtual Tunnels and Green Glass: The Colors of Common Mirrors" uh, by Raymond L. Lee Jr. and Javier Hernandez Andre. Where they basically went to uh, in the Science Museum in Granada, Spain. They had this mirror tunnel, which is basically a pair of mirrors that are are facing each other with a pair of like small holes you can look through in one of them. So you can see this, you know, cascading reflected mirror. And they went there and took pictures and and basically, you know, looked at at basically these these pictures and saw that what was happening was as the light reflected back and forth and sort of, you know, some of the light was absorbed by the mirror and not all of it was reflected as it went on. What winds up happening is the mirror actually is best reflecting light at the wavelengths of 495 to 570 nanometers, which is green light. And this is because of what mirrors are made of. Most of the time, that glass is a a soda-lime silica glass substrate, and just apparently that gives a green hue to it. Um, So on like a single reflection, you'll never be able to tell because so much of the light is reflected that's going to over, you know, ride that underlying color of the mirror. But once it's bounced off that many times, eventually that color of the mirror comes through and everything starts to take on that green hue. It's funny. I was going to call you up and be like, it doesn't mean it's green, but it just means it reflects green the best. And then I realized that's that how means it's green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's color. That's why things are the color they are is because they reflect that <laughs> exactly. color of light best. It, it took me so long to like, I had to read a few times and be like, oh yeah, that, that does make sense. Okay. So eventually, you know, in this world where everything is reflecting, this is where we get to the, to the question of what the hell does this actually look like. For sanity's sake, let's talk about during the day. So what's going to happen is as the light is shining down from the sun, it's going to reflect off of everything. And anything that is one or two reflections away from like direct sunlight, which will admittedly be most things because everything is a mirror, anything that's there is going to basically just look like the sun so it's gonna be really hard to go outside in the day don't don't look at the sun yeah which does get to the very fun thing that i realized pretty quickly cars don't exist anymore because you cannot drive one well the car would be reflective but i guess you wouldn't have a windshield because the windshield would 
you won't be able to see. Well, the problem is that everything everything is going to look like the sun. You can't look anywhere. You can't. You can't like. <laughs> Like, you know, when you're driving on the highway and the sun is in front of you and you're fucking out the road in front of you, it's that, but 80 times worse everywhere. Well, why is that specifically cars? Isn't that just walking too? Well, I mean, yeah, like specifically cars don't exist because they'll kill everyone. But yes, you kind of just can't go outside most of the time during the day without blinding yourself, I guess. When I say that, I mean like actually blocking off your eyes with something and like wandering around with your arms out. That's the only way we can actually go outside, I think without just dying which is cool actually i had only just thought about the fact that your eyes probably don't work anymore do they hmm they don't <laughs> they don't well then so it doesn't matter doesn't matter no one can see are you counting your eyeballs as also reflective if your eyeballs are also reflective then you cannot see should we say your eyeballs are not reflective sure i don't know but if, what, what <laughs> do we say i only just thought of this so this is a question I actually thought about it before, but you this I knew this was your topic, so I didn't bring it up. <laughs> well, I wish you had. <laughs> well, kind of just ruined your answer. Let's pretend your eyes magically work for a minute. All right. So if your eyes magically work, what's going to happen is is basically that we're going to stay inside most of the time. Getting light inside so you can see is kind of tricky because if you have any opening to the sun, it's going to just immediately reflect off everything and everything's gonna look like the sun again the answer to this as far as i can tell the only way i could figure out to do it was basically have a like mirror tube that's going to bring light inside and have we don't have like actual windows anymore it's just like a box with an opening that opens into a tube with a bunch of like mirrors that reflect in different directions to just through that loss of light eventually bring in a reasonable amount of light to the room it's not a good system but it's a system so just have like clever diffusion cleverly diffuse the light as it enters pretty much yeah and what's nice is if you want dark you just close the little shutter at the front boom done yay i guess the problem is too is that you just can't have like all windows don't work either because you, you like anything that exactly like can't and go light, through it anymore light bulbs yeah. don't work either i was just gonna get to that light bulbs do not work yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you need the sun well you can still so fireworks Oh, yeah. Okay. Fire does work because fire is not a material. It is or I guess a... you could have a light bulb without the bulb part. So I I actually thought about that. Just doing like, also like uh, any sort of, you know, halogen bulb or anything doesn't work because that requires some sort of material that is, you know, allows light to pass, which we don't have. I thought about having just an incandescent bulb. You just have like, you know, a filament just bare. You technically can do it, but... The reason you have a bulb around a filament and a light bulb is not just, I mean, it's not just to diffuse the light slash prevent people from touching the very, very hot piece of wire. Uh, It also prevents the filament from oxidizing. Oh, yeah. It'll just like burn out right away, right? Yeah. So I I think what what would wind up happening is just like oil lamps or torches or candles because that would actually work because it is just a, you know, fire is a reaction, not a material. So that would work. But also look cool as hell because everything is mirrors. Um, so you got that going for you. Everything would look like the fire. It looked like you're in a room of fire. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say it would be comforting. I'd say it would look cool. <laughs> and I guess, I guess one of the things we couldn't figure out was just if you would be able to distinguish between things. You would because of either differences in the amount of times like the light hitting that surface has been reflected is going to cause different amounts of light to um 
reflect back off of it and therefore more of that green color to come through. Additionally, you get an like when you are seeing a mirror at an angle, it reflects differently. So I think that everything would always have edges as well. I don't know how clear like someone's face would be. I guess you'd have if you have a low enough light source, you would have shadows still. It would just still once again be really weird. Curved surfaces I would look really weird. They would, yeah. Well, because you think about, like, if you look in a mirror side on, right, you get, like, a weird sort of, I don't even know how to describe how it looks, yeah, but. It would just be, like, colors, except, like, <laughs> everything is also just reflective, so it would just all be, like, varying shades of green. Right, yeah. And everything would, any any sort of hard edges that could exist would wind up being distorted by the curves. I don't know. It's, it would be a very strange, it would be very hard to parse, kind of, the main takeaway. Man, I really wish I had thought about the fact that eyes didn't work, huh? <laughs> it's okay, Ben. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Really, I guess the weird thing is that assuming eyes do work, it's not really that helpful because we can't, you know, leave our homes, I guess. <laughs> I tried to figure out any way to, um, like, make it possible. Technically, you could probably figure out some sort of, you know, the same way you're doing, like, the window box in to look out into the world i don't know how i don't think it would actually like work in a way that would be usable for anything but maybe you have to have some weird, weird like mirrors tunneling around your head that reflect light to eventually to your eyes but it's not it's not great is that the conclusion it's not great <laughs> yeah this eyes thing has kind of sunk me huh <laughs> I'm shook, I mean, guys. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I brought up the eye thing in our chat thing, and maybe Wait, you just did you? didn't see it. I guess I, I must not have. All right. Well, Chris, Chris is just harping on the fact that he thought of this and, and you didn't. Like it's like the fourth time he's mentioned it. It's the second time I mentioned it. <laughs> it feels like the fourth. Long story short, if everything is mirrors, we stay inside a lot, and I guess have open flames in our homes, which is probably a bad idea. Anyway, Marcus, what did you do? Yeah. So I, I kind of actually headed it in somewhat in the same direction because my. Yeah, my initial thought was that even though, and I also assumed eyes worked, despite Chris's insight. Um, <laughs> I, figured, I mean, in mine, I, I assumed that eyes worked too. <laughs> I ignored that part. Uh, it's like, even you can see things, it's going to be nigh impossible to actually figure out exactly what the hell you're actually looking at. Like, even though I, I imagine the same thing, like, yeah, you can see edges, you can see corners, and there's going to be like, probably you'll get used to how many suns are in different positions might tell you something. But then, like, you look at someone in a house of mirrors where it's, like, the simplest form of mirrors possible and how many people walk into them. And my confidence in humans' ability to navigate these mirrors is um, zero. <laughs> <laughs> Usually those house of mirrors have, like, glass panes mixed into them too, right? Yeah, they, they, they're designed to be a little bit tricky, but it's still, like, flat glass panes that yeah. very clearly have edges. Like, can you tell if this between these two poles specifically is a mirror or not? And the answer is not really. Right. And that doesn't boost my confidence much when all the columns and poles and everything else would also be reflective. So I started looking at kind of alternative methods to quote-unquote see. And the simplest would be just infrared vision because that'll basically give you normal vision, but, you know, the heat vision. And you, can, and you can work with that. You can take that and, you know, function. But there's a problem because mirrors are actually also super good at reflecting infrared light, which means you're going to have exactly the same problem with all that if you're trying to look in the infrared spectrum. However, if we look at the other side of the electromagnetic spectrum, we have a little bit more luck. 
so as Ben mentioned, mirrors work based on having a metal coating behind glass that, that is good at reflecting light in the visible wavelength spectrum. And depending on what metal you have, they perform differently. So aluminum, the most common one, reflects, you know, actually reflects almost the worst in the visible light spectrum, and then is actually better at infrared and stays above 90% reflectivity going back into ultraviolet. But gold and silver actually both drop off almost immediately past the visible wave spectrum on the ultraviolet side. So once you hit ultraviolet light, the reflectivity for gold and silver drop down to like 25% from 90 plus percent. And to give you kind of an idea of what that is, a wet road is 25% reflectivity as well. So it's the equivalent of a wet road, which I use as a reference point because I don't really track how reflective, non-reflective things are generally. And that's the only (laughs) comparison point I could find. It is really annoying to drive on a wet road. Yeah, it's not great, but it's better than, you know, driving on a mirror. Right. (laughs) So then the question is, can we use, you know, instead of infrared goggles, can we use, like, UV goggles to see in the spectrum? And the answer is probably, but I couldn't find any UV goggles. Because the issue with it is if you Google UV glasses, (laughs) it gets you glasses that filter out UV light. If you Google UV goggles, you get those skiing gear ones, like those big reflective ones so that you don't, you know, fry your eyes on on the snow. And then if you Google UV light detection, you just get a bunch of stuff about black lights and crime scenes. So it's <laughs> like, they probably exist, I'm sure it exists somewhere, like a set of glasses that detects UV lights and creates a composite picture for you that you could look around in. But it is impossible to Google because UV light is always doing the opposite generally. <laughs> There's too many other common search terms very closely related to it. Um, but we might not even need that because there are people who can see into the ultraviolet light spectrum. The first category of these is uh, people known as tetrachromats. We may have talked about them before on the show, but they basically have a rare genetic trait where their eyes have four cones instead of three. Oh yeah, we talked about that in our bird episode. Yeah, so like these people, like, like your eye has three different cones to detect colors, and they have a fourth one that is sensitive to ultraviolet light. And these people can see thousands of more colors than we can. They have like just a huge increase in their ability to differentiate colors. I really don't understand what it means when someone can see a thousand more, like thousands of more colors than somebody else, because it's still in the spectrum, but you can't imagine what more colors looks like. So I don't really get what that metric means. I don't think anyone does. I think they're lying to us, actually. Anyway, the very rare person who is a tetrachromat can see into the ultraviolet spectrum. Then the other category is the people with a condition known as aphakia. And who knows if I'm pronouncing that properly, but aphakia um, means that you're missing the lens of your eye, which is the clear part in the front that like will help you focus. And the other purpose it serves, it also reflects UV light so it doesn't hit your eyes. So it's a condition that's very rare genetically. Um, and the most common way to quote unquote get it is that you're Sometimes they'll remove your eye lens surgically if you have um, severe cataracts. So basically, if your lenses are so bad, they're hurting your vision more than just getting rid of your lens would, then they take that out, and then you are actually now able to see into the UV light spectrum. Which sounds cool, and you could, you know, it's a surgical procedure. You could do it to everybody if you wanted, but it does involve getting rid of the lens part of your eye, which, oh, God, I hate that. (laughs) 
but you still see everything else normal? Um, yes and no, where you, you, you're, you can still see the visible light. Your vision will be different, they say, um, and I imagine a, good, a fair bit worse. Um, you can have, you know, glasses and contacts that can help mitigate the effects of, of not having your lens. Part of it is, like, how you can focus, so you might have, like, a, your prescription might have you, like, set at a certain focus distance that's, like, generally workable and comfortable. Like, you can set, you can get a prescription that you can see at, you know, 50 feet best and, you know, works for nearby and, you know, okay. you can see somewhat out into the distance and have, you know, functional vision. So the lens of your eye is, like, the same function as the lens of a camera. Yeah. Yeah. So you could do that. Um, and then you would have to have something that filters out visible light because it's still going to be bright as heck. And now your eyes are not protected from all that light. But you could theoretically do that. The last little hiccup is that this will work just fine outside in the sun. But unlike infrared heat or, you know, visible light, normal objects don't emit UV light. So if there's no sunlight coming in, it's not really helping you any because nothing. there's no UV light bouncing around. So indoors is really not going to help too much. And I noted that, especially because many because many windows have built-in UV protection. I just realized windows don't work anyway, so it doesn't really right. <laughs> make it doesn't really matter at all that I wrote that. So yeah, if you want to see, you just have to block out the visible light, get your lenses removed, and look in the UV light spectrum, and you could have semi-functional vision during the day. I did touch on another couple problems with um, all this light getting reflected all over the place. Because there's also a risk that, based on, you know, the landscape or the shape of things, there's a risk that the mirrors will work basically like a big reflecting dish and concentrate all this light and heat onto one location. And you may be thinking, well, you know, how bad could it be? But there, there's some real-life examples of this. In London, there's a curved skyscraper, most often known as the, the walkie-talkie building. And it's basically a big rectangle that flares out a little bit with a, you know, with a, with a subtle curve near the top. Um, but they've been having issues where the light is reflecting off the building and, you know, getting concentrated into, like, a beam that hits the, the sidewalk. And uh, it has melted, you know, car parts, you know, for cars parked in the street. And it's even damaged merchandise in stores across the street from where the building is. Like, they had one, it was like a, a plastic lemon was in a display stand. And you could see, like, the plastic was, like, bubbling up. Like, it actually had, like the styrofoam was like bubbling up because it was so hot and melted from the reflection off that building. That has to be an incredible insurance claim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Best. My merchandise got, got burned by the, the laser from the building across the street. <laughs> yeah. It's really hot right here on this shelf right there. I don't know what's happening. No, no, it's because it's curved, y you know? And then, and, and then just for fun, you know, what happens if you're trying to focus the light energy all in one spot? Um, so they have uh, these solar power towers that are basically big fields of mirrors that will reflect sun at a central tower that uses that heat to generate power. So it's like basically a way of collecting solar power instead of doing it directly on the solar cells in the panel. It just reflects all the light into one spot that's better at transforming that into, you know, power. So if you're wondering how intense that gets, near the solar tower in the path of the beams where it starts to, you know, really get focused, it's been shown to get up to 550 degrees Celsius. Whoa. Wow. Which is enough to literally ignite birds in flight. <laughs> <laughs> so they literally had problems where birds would fly by this tower 
and just light on fire and like literal smoke trail fall to the ground. So they actually changed the patterns of their of their mirrors so that they're not reflecting on any they're like hitting different parts of the tower so it's not all on one spot to reduce the literal death ray <laughs> that they're shooting <laughs> at their own their own tower. So it could be bad. I don't have it I don't have any math for how hot the beam gets based on things, but I imagine things like the Hoover Dam, you know, section of the Grand Canyon where you have like some big bowls and canyons and walls and things. You could probably get some pretty nasty you know, heat rays going around, and you're just, they're just going to be invisible. You'll just never know when you're about to just get, you know, fried. So that's yeah. bad. So if you're just, like, walking around the city, you got to know where to not walk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like back at college where they, with all our weird-shaped buildings, they had, like, wind tunnels, and on windy <laughs> days, like, you literally couldn't walk down some areas because it was just a, a, a force of wind yeah. that would block you from making progress. So that's that. And then one last problem that this reflectivity is is causing so it, it can fry you but it can also do other things to you and basically if you look at earth's energy budget which basically measures how much energy comes into the earth versus how much you know goes back out into space the vast majority of the earth's energy at the surface comes from the sun and right now with our clouds and our atmosphere and all the stuff on our surface we reflect about 40 percent of the energy from the sun back into space and the Earth absorbs the rest. And, you know, that energy is what, you know, gets plants going, heats up the heats up the ground to make it a nice balmy 75 and all those good things. But now we're f- talking about reflecting, like, 90% of that energy back into space, which I can tell you is incredibly bad for the Earth. Did we just kill all the plants again? Uh, yeah, we're going to kill all the plants. We're going to kill all the people. Like, <laughs> we're talking about cutting our energy, but we're, like, literally, we we ha- we're cutting our energy budget by, like, 80%. Global warming it, and all the problems it's going to cause is increasing our energy budget by like 1%. <laughs> so it's 80 times worse than global warming in the opposite direction. So we might want those death rays. Yeah, you're going to want those death rays, but it's really not going to matter. You're, it's just, we're all just going to freeze very, very quickly. The lucky few will burn. Um, Chris, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, an interesting sentence to end on. So... When I heard that we were looking at mirrors, the first thing that I thought of was how when you look into a mirror, everything's backwards, everything's flipped. I was wondering why, the question came up, why does a mirror reverse left to right, but it doesn't reverse up and down? And intuitively, it makes sense that obviously it wouldn't flip up and down. But when I thought about it more, I got really confused. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to look it up. And so that's a common misconception, not it doesn't actually get flipped from left to right. Actually, it doesn't get flipped at all. So like if you write something on a piece of paper and then you show it to the mirror, it looks like it's flipped left to right, but that's because you flipped it horizontally when you turned it towards the the mirror. If you turn it vertically towards the mirror, then it'll be flipped up and down. And what's actually happening is that it's not getting flipped on the x-axis or the y-axis. It's getting and if you think about this more, it makes sense. It's getting flipped in the z-axis, so like out of the mirror. So like, uh, there was a video that explained this a little better than maybe I am. But she said, <laughs> <laughs> defer, "Please defer to the video linked in the comment section of this podcast to understand what the hell Chris is talking about." So the video is by Physics Girl, and she said that if you hold a glove out, so like when you look at yourself in the mirror. It looks like your left hand is your right hand and your right hand is your left hand. But say you put a glove on your left hand and you hold it out towards the mirror. 
in the mirror, it looks like it's a right hand glove. But if you flip the glove inside out, that's basically it's flipping it in the Z direction, in the Z axis, then your left hand glove becomes a right hand glove. I have I have both my hands in front of me and a very confused look on my face right now, Chris. Well, you can't turn your hand inside out. You need a glove in order to I'm do this. I'm trying. Oh. <laughs> so that's basically the the explanation of that. It just flips it. How in- does turning how does turning a hand inside out get you to Oh, now I understand this intuitively. Well, it's a glove. If you turn a glove inside <laughs> out, then you're turning a right-hand glove into a left-hand glove. You're turning your left what looks like your left hand into a right hand, if that makes sense. No. <laughs> Watch the video. <laughs> search, search physics girl mirror or something like that. It'll, it probably will come up. So anyway, thinking about all this like flipping of stuff and like words being backwards, I started thinking about words and like what how would writing work? And obviously everything is a mirror. Everything's reflective. So you wouldn't be able to write anything. It would just because it would still be reflective. So I was wondering how you'd convey words like through writing if if it is through writing there are other options that use different use different senses like you can use audio stuff or like tactile stuff like braille is a tactile way to communicate so that we do have those options but i wanted to see if we can do writing so one way that you can do it is if you engrave the surfaces so you like you can engrave a mirror and it's still reflective and you'll still be able to read what's on it so like a book, if you have a book with pages in it, you can just engrave the pages and you'll still be able to read it. And that's how books will probably work. But those are just stationary words in a book. I wanted to see like what it would be like if you want to create something that's moving like on a phone screen or a television screen. I want a, a moving image You can't because you can't just engrave it then. And you've probably experienced this before if you try to look at a screen outside on like a sunny day. You can't really read what it is because it's reflecting... A, the sun and it's impossible to read that's basically what all screens will be like because the way a screen works is it, it transmits light through a pane of glass but the pane of glass is reflective so you can't use any light source behind the glass uh, so we need to rely on something else and i want to try to use like this principle of engrave because like engraved surfaces it's like a raised surface so it's like can i use that as a way to make moving visuals so there are some technologies that exist already that raise surfaces of screens. So in 2013, Tactus Technology, their company, um, they created a morphine touch screen and they wanted to create like a tactile button experience so that like if a button on your touch screen p- appears, then you'd be able to still have like the pushing button experience. So when a button appears on your screen, what happens is the, the touch screen raises up so that you can actually push the button. And it can like raise and lower wherever you want it to. By like a lot or just like a little? So the video I saw is just a little, like it was just to mimic a button. I don't know what the limitations are, but like for their purposes, that's all they needed. That that tech that they were working on didn't really go anywhere because I went to their website uh, right now and they're they're like focusing on other stuff now. I don't think they're selling (laughs) that anymore. I'm focused on other parts of my life right now and not my cool invention. (laughs) All these phone companies are just are just so risk adverse. Is that, that that's the phrase that we use for for uh, people who can't get their crazy ideas across, right? Well, I think it's just <laughs> like nobody really wanted that. Yeah, it's not the ideas. It's not that the idea is bad. It's just you know all these all these all these companies want things that will you know sell. I think what you were about to say was it's not the idea is bad. It's just that no one wants it. 
<laughs> they just don't understand. If you if you imagine you put that phone in a case and you turn the case inside out. <laughs> so I I was trying to figure out like how this screen actually works, but I couldn't find anything about it. So I couldn't get like specific details about it. But oh, you've got, you just got to email physics girls to do a video for you. <laughs> but I did find a, a similar what is kind of a similar technology. Um, so it was like a tactile pin surface sort of thing. So they, they used what they called tactile pixels. And it's basically like that toy where if you like push it, there's a bunch of pins and if you push your hand into it, then it makes like an image of your hand on top or you can like push your face into it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 So it's basically like that, but just like underneath, it's controlled by like a bunch of actuators. So it can create a surface on top with varying degrees of like raising and lowering. Um, And they use it right now to help visually impaired people who want to 3D model. So if they can't necessarily see what they're modeling, um, they can feel what they're modeling uh, using this. And they don't have to like 3D print it because 3D printing takes a long time. So they can just do it really quick and feel what they're modeling. So this is one of the technologies we can use. Another technology is deformable mirrors. So deformable mirrors are a thing. They also use actuators to deform the mirror. And there are different types. So there's a segmented deformable mirror, which is like there are separate segments of mirrors that are each individually um, controlled by like separate actuators. These are typically used for larger applications like telescopes. Um, but then there are other methods that use like a thin reflective membrane um, and they can deform this using electrical and magnetic input. So that's like smaller fine-tuned things. They don't usually use deformable mirrors in the way that I want to use them, but we could create like we could technically create like a screen of a moving image using these deformable mirrors and you just have like tiny mirrors instead of pixels you have tiny segments of mirrors i guess so this is one way to create moving images but it's still only like a topographic version of an image we don't have any colors so i wanted to see if we could actually create colors um, that move like a color moving image and i've i've covered this topic before in a previous episode is our last i think fourth of july episode where he said, what if the only colors were red, white, and blue? And I covered a thing called structural coloration. So when I went into it, I said that blue pigment is actually very rare in nature. And there are some blue animals in nature, but the reason that they are blue is because they don't have blue pigment. Instead, they have like geometric structures built into their anatomy that reflects the light in a very specific way where the light waves interfere with each other and cancel out and what's left is blue light and that's called wave interference and this all happens on like a really small nanoscale type of thing so this also happens in like bubbles so a bubble it has all these like curved uh, surfaces so like the light will transmit through the front surface and some of it will reflect off of the back surface and that's how you get all those like weird changing colors in a bubble because it's all like at different angles and some of them interfere with each other and cancel out so basically basically we'll, we'll have this hypothetical we'll wake up and everything will be reflective and then a blue jail will just fly by looking completely normal and be like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah basically all the blue animals will be fine <laughs> this also happens with oil on water so oil like the film of oil is just different thicknesses so that's why you get varying colors from the oil 
on the water. And we've been able to like for man-made things, we've been able to sort of use this uh this property specifically in fashion. So there are some fabrics that we've created to mimic this. So a company called Transmaterial created Morphotex, which uses very, very small fibers to create different colors not, without using any pigment or dyes using structural coloration. So they were, they were able to create red, green, blue, and violet. So that's just like a way that man, maybe, man has made this. But what about moving images? So in nature, octopuses can do this they can change their color. And the way that they do this is that they have something called chromatophores. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but <laughs> that's what it looks like. And chromatophores are basically, they're light reflecting cells, but they're able to expand and contract them. And what that does is that it like changes the way that it reflects the light, which changes the color. So theoretically, we could use, we could try to do what the octopus is doing. We have all the technology with actuators and like small mirrors and stuff, we could theoretically, I couldn't find any real world examples of this because we haven't tried to create TV screens out of mirrors before, because why would we? <laughs> but theoretically, you could create actuator controlled nano mirrors to interfere the light in very specific ways to create colors, to create movies. <laughs> and and it doesn't use any like pigments or dyes. It's purely based on the geometry of the thing. So it doesn't matter that it's mirrors. I mean, we will be dead because because we'll be frozen apparently from Marcus's thing, but we'll be able to watch Netflix before we die, which is good. Hey, that's all I want to do in life is watch Netflix and die. <laughs> that's depressing. <laughs> You're depressing. <laughs> I hope the heat ray gets you. Oh, I'll be one of the lucky ones to burn. Well, I guess that's, I guess well, now that we're wishing each other death, maybe it's time to take a break and uh, come back with our would you rather question. Chris. Yep. I hope you die. Also, would you rather have a magic button to change every red light green or have a car that recycles its own fuel? Hmm. Just to be clear, should that be any red light green? Because that's a lot more useful than one that turns every red light green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's say, let's, I think the spirit is any red, red light green. Okay, cool. <laughs> Wanted to clear that one up. So I never have to stop at a red light. Unless you want to. Unless you want to. Just my gut reaction is that the fuel thing will be way more useful. Like, it, I guess the red light thing saves me time, but I save a lot of money on the fuel thing. You know, time is money, though. I save a lot of fuel. I don't really save a lot of time. You technically do save time. I guess it depends on where you drive, right? Because if you spend a lot of time on the highway... Yeah, that's also it, too. If you drive, you know cross-country on highways there's not too many red lights screwing you over but like what's the percentage like if you're going through an intersection what's the percent chance that you'll be stopped at a red light well it really depends on the intersection yeah i guess so i'd like to say 50 50 but that's not really that's not really how it goes <laughs> it's actually probably like 20 percent that you hit a red light yeah so those other that other 80 percent you're fine so the button i mean it's it's nice but 80% of the time, you're fine. So I did a lot of driving through Boston because I used to live uh, in Jamaica Plain. So all the locals are like, oh, my God, Jamaica Plain. And everyone else is like, who cares? So I'll say my drive to work was seven miles. And it took about an hour, sometimes more. 
Um, and a lot of that was spent on, you know, city streets with lots of red and green lights. And if they were always green, then probably cut my commute in half. Yeah, I guess it is different for rush hour in the city. Well, rush hour is also weird because there's going to still be bottlenecks places. So you won't just be constantly driving still. Right. And there's also still traffic on the highway. Right. Well, the thing is, you could also just like, you know, give yourself the green wave to get home and make sure it leads you enough that everyone in front of you is going. You'd probably figure it out how to do it. You are screwing other people over in that option. You are pretty heavily. That's just people in Boston. I'm sure that who <laughs> figures out the traffic in Boston anyway? You're not screwing anyone over with the gas thing. The gas company. Yeah. Think about them. They only lose one customer. What about their bottom line? They're not going to notice. It's just one customer. It's true. Yeah, but that your all the fuel you buy pays part of someone's salary. They might have to fire Gina in accounting if you don't buy gas. That seems unlikely, but with all the people that you're making late to work, you might get like a hundred people fired because they were late because they were stuck at a red light for like an hour. Fine, fair, but also, God, I hate red lights. I hate being stuck at them. Is there a downside to this gas thing other than getting one person fired? <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't think, like, if it just, if, the, if your car just has effectively infinite fuel, that's just very good. I guess, do I spend more time the one time every few weeks I stop at a gas station for a minute or two, or on red lights? It's on red lights. I waste more time at red lights. Yeah, I mean, you definitely waste more time with the red light thing. That actually kind of sways, that kind of sways me towards wanting the red light button, because gas isn't super cheap. It's also not, for the amount of driving I do, it's not super expensive, in that I'm not budgeting for my gas. Like, I don't think I would, like... My life would change getting those, you know, I drive a sedan, so, you know, like the, the 25 bucks I would get back from filling up, like, once a month, maybe. And then just having the power to go through all the red lights. And the thing is, too, if you're worried about ruining traffic, or whatever, you can just choose not to use your button unless you're just, like, until you feel that frustration. I think if I had the button, I would rarely use it, but love that I could. I'd love having the option. I think you would use it. Oh, absolutely. Have you seen the intersection outside my place? There's, like, two, you can hit two red lights in the same intersection. <laughs> I mean, I, t I guess if we're going off of our personal situations, I don't have a car. So the gas thing is kind of <laughs> useless to me. And the red light thing would sort of be useful to me because I could make walk signals happen. There you go. <laughs> That's actually a very good point that I hadn't thought about. I was about to talk about how much not having to buy gas would save me. And then you brought that up. And now I'm, I'm conflicted. I mean, I think if I had a car, I would go with the gas thing. But since I don't have a car, I would go with the red light thing. So, so I guess for some some context on on like gas savings, personally, I had to get gas. You know, back when I drove to work because there wasn't a pandemic, I had to get gas every couple of weeks, a little more often than every couple of weeks, because I had to drive like twenty five ish miles to and from work. And at roughly, let's say twenty five dollars a tank, that would save me a little over seven hundred and fifty dollars a year, which is a reasonably large amount of money like that's pretty good yeah yeah it's not bad i'm not saying it's bad to have it. i would love to have it both i'd love to have my button and infinite gas so how much you only get to pick one how much time do you think you'd save with the red light thing um all right so if we're saying i i mean it's it a takes, harder calculation see i don't think see I, I don't i don't think this is a like just like a straight cost but like how much is my time worth versus how much is it's like why not the feel of it's a lot more important to me I and mean, the feeling of it is based on the actual comparison i think i think if someone okay i'm gonna put it this way if if the hypothetical is straight up hey would you rather have an extra 750 dollars a year 
or be able to change red lights to green lights, I would probably take the money personally. <laughs> and I also don't have to stop for gas anymore, which is nice. Yeah, it's funny because my gut instinct was, would you rather get 750 bucks a year or would you rather the button? I'm like, absolutely button. And then I asked myself, would I spend 750 bucks a year for a button subscription? And the answer was a clear no. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just had that same gut reaction when you said that. Right? Like, it's... it's Like, when you said the first option, I was like, oh, yeah, you definitely would take that deal. And then... And then you think about it, it's like, I don't think I would. It's not that helpful. Yeah, 750 a year is a lot. It's a lot. For, like, a subscription service. Like, even, even if said, it was I'll say $400 a year, would you do it? The button is a better party trick. And what if you use, you could also go and do some, like, uh, is, it, is it a button? You have a magic button. You could loan out your magic button. You could, you could make more, probably more than 750 a year renting out your button. You could rent out your car. It's a magic button. You could rent out so you just, your... It's your just a, I, imagine, I imagine it's just a button. You could rent out your fuel car, though. Yeah, but no one cares about that. Like if you're at a, if you're at a if you're at a, a rental car stand, it's like, hey, you can have this car that you know we won't charge you for gas when you bring it back. I'd be like, oh, neat. If they're like, hey, or you can have this car where you can magically go through red lights. I'd be like, hell yeah, that one. <laughs> I guess that's true. It is a better party trick. I just don't think it's good enough of a party trick that I would turn down the infinite gas car. Yeah, you asked. What I pay four hundred dollars, I still don't think I would pay four hundred dollars. I agree. Okay, one last wrinkle. It's only one car that recycles its gas. It's not any car you own, so you can never upgrade your car. So if car breaks, you're done. Eventually, it'll magic play. button is magic. Magic button is forever. I mean, if the... I mean the magic button could break. Magic button could break. It's magic. You can't break. Well, the car is magic. <laughs> anyway, I'm just break. wording this. You just happen I'm to work magic on it. <laughs> I'm done bringing up points. We, we, I, I think we've hashed it out. Ben, button or gas? I am going with infinite gas, not only for the financial aspect, but also because I get really, like, not paranoid, but stressed out when I'm at, like, I don't know, a third of a tank. I'm like, ah, should I get gas? I don't know. And I hate that feeling. Oh, really? Yeah. I I know my car can go, like, 30 miles on, like, two little bars left. The problem I have is because I do have a long commute, it's much like, it's, 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 trickier when you're looking at increments of always like 30 miles especially when you're in the highway like in the middle of nowhere and the exits are like 40 miles apart well it's not really massachusetts <laughs> chris gas or button so should i vote based on my personal thing or should i vote in general it's a would you rather okay my personal so i would go for the button then because i don't have a car <laughs> this feels like the scale has been weighted <laughs> i'm gonna go with the button because I think, again, like, if it's just, no one's going to, like, I'm not going to miss the gas money, I'll be honest. I'm not going to miss the gas money. I want that cool button. And I could, if I really want the money, I could turn it around into a side business and do it that I way. I don't Plus, think you could run out the, the button. button. I'm, okay, all right, it doesn't matter. You know what? It's fine. <laughs> I don't think if we're going to pay you money for a, we just said we wouldn't pay money for a button. Why would the other people pay money for a button? Well, they won't pay that much, but you don't have to charge that much. Eventually, you'd make it back, right? I mean, I yeah, guess you would reduce people your would, cost. People People might pay money for a button. You know what else people might pay money for? A podcast. To support our show. Hey, segues. Via our Patreon. www.patreon.com slash absurdhypotheticals. That's the place with a different magic button. It doesn't change red lights to green, but you do click it. And it gives us money. (laughs) And then a magical portal opens, and suddenly all these new episodes pop up in your feed that are all behind-the-scenes 
making of the show, trying out concepts, having on guests, all this. We do lots of different things in these behind the scenes episodes. We do one every month talking about how we make the show, go reviewing our last week's questions, kind of, you know, saying what we really thought about, you know, what was going on and how our answers were and, you know, yelling at each other for mistakes that we wouldn't do live on air. Um, so lots of good stuff there. If you want just a little bit more absurd hypotheticals in your life, go to Patreon, click that Become a Patron button. It's just one singular dollar a month, which is like one 750th of what you spend on gas every year. So it's like nothing. It's it's, it's just, it's just poof, gone. Magic button. And you've supported our show and you have our heartfelt thanks. But another way you can earn our heartfelt thanks is just by tuning in next week when we answer the following question. What if everyone lived underground? <laughs>